Welcome to the Face First Golf Podcast. Real talk about improving your game if you're a 12 plus handicap player. This is where we leave the delusions of the online golf marketing world behind and face the truth about what it takes to play your best. I'm your host, Craig Jones. I've been a golf coach for 25 years and have helped 20,000 players improve their game through online learning. And I've learned a few things along the way. And now I'm sharing those things so you can stop wasting time and fix what matters. Welcome to reality. Yes, what you've always suspected is true. Practice at the range is a waste of time. And by the end of today's podcast, you are going to understand why. What it is, Craig Jones here, dropping truth bombs about improving your game if your handicap is over 12, this is not a safe space and it's not for the faint of heart because this is where we leave the delusions of the internet golf marketing world behind and we face the truth. We face it. We face the truth about what it takes to improve your game if your handicap's over 12. Why over 12? That's a question I get a lot that I don't think I've answered on the podcast here before. Why do I always say... The truth about improving your game if your handicap is over 12, and here's why. If your handicap is over 12, I know your swing. I don't have to see it. I know your swing, and I know what skill you have to master to truly take a giant leap forward with your game, and you have heard me say this one before. If your handicap is over 12, I promise you there's a... 99, better than a 99% chance that you swing over the top with an open club face, have that chicken wing move after impact. You're probably flipping at the ball with your hands a little bit. So not swinging from the inside, you tend to not have any lag. You tend to have very little hip rotation and you tend to chicken wing instead of release the club. If you didn't have those issues, you wouldn't be a 12 plus handicap player. So that's why my program and everything that I've done for the last 25 years is geared towards helping 12 plus handicap players. I was one myself. I don't know if I've told this story, but it was a painful time in my life. And I'm talking about when I was in my 20s. Okay, I wasn't uh, I wasn't some kid or something. I was in my 20s. And when I was in my 20s, I was a ski bum in Colorado when I was in my early 20s. So I graduated from college, moved to Colorado. I was a ski bum. I was driving buses at night around Keystone Ski Resort. I needed a job in the summer, and I ended up working at the Keystone Ranch Golf Course in Keystone, Colorado. Mowing greens, fairways, all that stuff. And I started playing golf every day, and I just absolutely fell in love with the game. But I was not good. I had all the typical problems that everybody struggles with, but I got super obsessed with it and I decided that I really wanted to make it my career. At the time, I thought I was going to try to get a club pro type of job. So I went to the what used to be called the San Diego Golf Academy in Chandler, Arizona, and it was a two-year golf program, and that is where I really worked hard on my game. I came across a gentleman by the name of 
Ed Ekus. We called him Eagle Eye Ed. And he was an old school teacher that gave me a ton of lessons and took me from knowing nothing about golf to going from the 15 handicap player I was. He got me down to about a six over a couple of years and taking 50 plus lessons from him over that time. And then eventually I was able to pass my PGA playing ability test, which is two rounds, basically mid-70s. It depends on the course rating and what course you're playing and all that kind of stuff. But if you're not familiar with the PGA playing ability test, the PAT it's called. And so what you do is in order to be able to enroll in the PGA program and start working towards becoming a PGA professional, you have to pass your PAT, your playing ability test. And that is that you have to have a score of 15, no more than 15 over the course rating for two rounds of golf. So depending on what the course rating is, and by the way, it's two rounds in one day. So depending on what the course rating is, let's say a typical course from the white tees, maybe it's 68 or something like that. So take 68 times two, which gives you what? 136, add 15 to that, and your target score would be 151 over two rounds for the day. So 75, 76 gets it done. But it's a little bit of a stressful thing. So anyway, Ed took me from a 15 to a six handicap, passed my playing ability test, and then went on to get down to as low as a one. And instead of my club pro job, I actually went straight into golf tech at the time. This was back in the year 2000-ish when I started with golf tech. And the rest is history. All I've done since that time, I never did get that club pro working in the shop job. All I've done is teach golf since I got in the biz, so to speak, way back when. But what I'm getting at here is that I truly do know your pain if you're that over-the-top swinger with that hold-off chicken wing move, flipping and scooping, I call it the stop-the-hips flip move through impact that you probably struggle with if your handicap is over 12. I struggled with it, and so that is why Face First Golf is for 12-plus handicap players because I can help you, and I can tailor a program exactly to what your needs are because I'm not one of those guys who was born a great player. I always wonder that. These guys who are near-miss tour pros who end up being coaches or teachers, or maybe they're former tour pros who end up being coaches and teachers. And I always think, how can that guy relate to somebody who struggles with swinging over the top and has no clue how to square up the club face and impact? So that is why 12-plus handicap players. So what is that skill? We always talk about this. You know this. The skill that you have to learn if you're a 12-plus handicap player is learning how to swing from the inside and square up the club face by releasing through and after impact. We call that that forearm rollover release. That is how you really learn to deliver the path and face of the club to the ball in the exact opposite way that all 12-plus handicap players do, which is over the top with an open club face. So we have to learn the opposite of that, swinging from the inside 
with a forearm rollover release to square up the club face. Incidentally, that is also where all of the pop and the power comes from as well. So that is why 12 plus handicap players is who I focus on and help. Now on to what we're talking about today. So today I am talking about something that all the members, the vast majority of the members have come to know this as truth, even if they probably thought I was a little off my rocker when I first proposed this. But the driving range is a waste of time. Okay, so and that's not the the part that people think I'm off my rocker when I say here's the thing that I say that makes everybody kind of raise an eyebrow for the first time when I say it. And that is that when you are working on improving your game, improving your swing as a 12 plus handicap player, ball flight is a distraction from what you are trying to to accomplish. And you're going to say, look, what are you talking about? I need to be able to see ball flight to know if I'm getting better. And I'm here to tell you, you do not. Because correcting ball flight and learning new skills are not the same thing. If your handicap's over 12 and you're ready to get real about improving your game, it does not take body wrecking marathon ball beating sessions, but it does take committing to five-minute daily practice sessions at home. To learn more about my new 44-day plan to fix your over-the-top swing and learn the effortless power release, come by and see us at facefirstgolf.com. You've heard me talk about this before. When you go to the driving range, most driving range sessions turn into, I hit a few balls, the ball does something I don't want it to do, I try to fix and correct that, and it kind of works maybe for for a few swings. <laughs> then the ball does something else. I try to correct that. Ball does something else. I try to correct that. That is what most range practice sessions turn into. Maybe for a really good player trying to refine something in their ball flight. But for the vast majority of players, what you really need is to remove the ball flight because that is a distraction from you learning the skill that you need to learn and the skill that you need to learn is swinging the club from the inside on the downswing. One other reason why it's absolutely unimportant that you see ball flight while you're practicing is because when you are over the top, you have to picture this now and and members who are sit in on live lesson Fridays every week Members send in their swings. I sit here in my office and, and give them a critique of their swing on video, showing them next to pros, drawing all the lines, showing them everything that's going on with their swing, then step out to the net and actually give them a live lesson. That's live lesson Fridays. And so members really start to develop an eye for the swing when they show up every week. If you are a member and you're not showing up every week, I highly encourage you to at least catch the replay that goes out every day but because the goal of a big goal of that is for you to develop your eye and I always tell the members that I want you to be able to see what I see so when I'm describing now what an over-the-top swing looks like if you're a member who sits in on live lesson Fridays you're going to be shaking your head yes and know exactly what I'm talking about and if not you might have a little bit more difficulty picturing this but typical over-the-top swinger in the downswing, 
picture that club head from that down the line view, okay? Which, by the way, this is another thing that members learn is perfect camera positioning for really understanding what you're looking at in your swing. It really matters where you position the camera. The camera should be straight back from your foot line. Everybody wants to put it straight back from your target line, straight back behind the golf ball. It really should be straight back from your foot line, which means it's about 18 inches inside the golf ball. So if that camera is positioned properly and somebody's swinging over the top, what we're going to see is that on the downswing, the club head is well outside of the hands, away from the body. Okay, so if you can picture just the hands, the downswing, and that club head is way outside the hands. That's why it's called an outside-in swing, right? Because you're swinging outside, also called over the top, also means that the club path is traveling left of target through impact. The opposite of that is swinging from the inside on the downswing. So now you have to picture the opposite. The club head is now inside of the hands on the downswing instead of outside of the hands on the downswing. And so let's say, and this is not unusual at all, but let's say somebody is swinging down over the top, outside in, the club head's coming down outside the hands in the downswing. It's not unusual at all for that club head to be a good foot outside of the hands in the downswing. When you're swinging from the inside on the downswing, that club head with kind of a, you know, maybe a seven, eight iron, maybe even a six iron, it's maybe a foot inside of your hands on the downswing when that swing is right on plane in the downswing. So what I'm getting at here is that you your club head could be as much as two feet in a different spot that you're delivering it to the ball from when you're first starting to try to, what I always recommend, which is exaggerate swinging from the inside on the downswing. Exaggerated motion is necessary in the early stages of a swing change. So if you are able to exaggerate it while swinging at a golf ball, which by the way is a big if because that is not an easy thing to do. It's much easier to make the motion away from swinging at a golf ball. As soon as we get a golf ball down on the ground, it becomes more difficult to swing that club path from the inside as you are swinging at a golf ball because the task change changes from swing the club to hit the ball. When the task changes from swing to hit, lots of interesting, shall we say, things start happening in the swing that you do not intend, okay? But the point here is another reason that you want to remove ball flight is because when you go from swinging outside, from the outside, to swinging from the inside, you could be delivering that club head to the golf ball from literally two feet in a different position than you're used to. So it might take you a little bit of time to find the golf ball again, right? If you can imagine the golf ball is in a different, it's as if the golf ball is in a completely different place. And it's really not that the golf ball is in a different place. It's just that your swing is in such a different place that it seems like the golf ball is in a different place. So that's one reason why you want to remove ball flight because it just doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter if you can see your ball flight when you are working on learning a skill of changing your club path that dramatically, we probably wouldn't expect you to find the center of the face 
real often right away, right? So that's one reason. Now, another reason is because downswing path and the release, forearm rollover release, picture this. This is when that trail forearm rolls over the lead forearm. Picture those arms extended. This is over on the target side of the golf ball. If you were looking at a swing from the front view for a right-handed player, it'd be that right forearm and hand crossing over that left forearm and hand with the arms really extended. That's release. And so that, and that is directly related to your downswing path. As you swing from the inside on the downswing, now all of a sudden you have to really speed up how fast your forearms roll over in order to square up the club face at impact because you've always swung outside in over the top and then the response to that is to hold the face open. The way to do that is by making that chicken wing with that lead arm breaking down. That holds the club face open, but of course it makes for a very weak glancing blow. So when we change that path from being outside in to being inside out, now all of a sudden, instead of that hold off chicken wing move, you have to start to roll the forearms, roll that right hand over the left hand for a right-handed player. And that is the source of effortless power. And it is also something that has to be learned and the timing of it has to be learned when your downswing path changes. Okay, so those are the reasons why it's so important. I talk so often about practice into a net. It's absolutely the best practice that you can do if your handicap is over 12, if you are determined to learn the effortless power forearm rollover release and swinging from the inside on the downswing. The only way to do it is to do that work swinging, hitting balls into a net because nobody goes out and does that kind of work on the driving range because there's nothing satisfying about it, right? Because when you are changing your downswing path that much and you're having trouble finding the center of the club face, and if you do find the center of the club face, your club face is open because you haven't learned yet how to roll the hands over and release the club, you can objectively look at your swing and you can say, yes, that's a better swing position. But if you're going out looking at ball flight, it's not going to be satisfying because your ball flight... Even though your swing's better, your ball flight's not going to be better yet. So that is why ball flight is a distraction to improving your game if your handicap is over 12. And that's why the feedback that you want when you're working on that is feedback on what is going on with your swing, not what's going on with your ball flight. And you can get that feedback in the form of members send me their swings and I give them that feedback. Over time, members I develops for the swing so they can look at their own swings and give themselves that feedback. And it's really rewarding when you start to see player after player after player put in this work. Can I say the word work? <laughs> We're talk we talk we we tell the truth here, right? That, might, that means saying some, some bad four-letter words like work. The good news is it's really not hard work and it's rewarding. In fact, I have just released a new 30-day challenge tracker. And when I say it's not hard, what I mean is you could literally do two five-minute practice sessions at home for 30 days and you could change your game 
dramatically in that period of time. Because there is actually, well, I'm going to leave that for another episode. There is a, there is a, a neuroscientific reason why practice at the range does not work. I will leave that for another time. For now, I'm going to leave you with this advice that I always give the members. You've got to fall in love with the process. Expect ups and downs. Have patience with yourself. The little things you do today create the you of the future. So do the little things. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If you're ready to hit it longer with less effort, it does not take body wrecking marathon ball beating sessions. All it takes is committing to five minute daily practice sessions at home. To learn about my new 44 day plan to unlock the effortless power that's inside of you by learning to swing from the inside and release the club, come see us at facefirstgolf.com.